0: You want to start by taking inventory. That's the whole point of this, is that you're going to use up what you have already. So looking at everything, looking at the fridge, looking at the pantry, looking at the freezer. And when you're looking at the fridge, thinking about what's going to go bad or what you really want to use and like kind of identifying everything. But knowing that you're not going to Use it all for one meal. (laughs) Like, that's where you're gonna get into trouble.
1: Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You? A podcast about feeding kids. Hey, I'm Stacy. And hey, it's Stacy's birthday today. <laughs> Happy birthday, Stacy. <laughs> yeah. July 24th, one of the best days of the year in my yeah, humble I'm opinion. here for it. I'm Megan. And today we're talking reverse meal planning, which is probably something that you've done before and didn't know that it had a name, multiple names, people call it many different things. Um, today we're gonna walk you through what it is, why you should do it, and how to train yourself. To do it brainlessly, seamlessly, without oh even my thinking. God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Big promises.
0: I got to deliver on my birthday. <laughs> Um, Okay. So we have covered meal planning. We have covered meal prep on different episodes throughout the years. And we talk a lot more about traditional meal planning in our community every week because we put up a post every Friday saying, like, what's coming up for the next week? And all the meal planners show up. I love it. But we are also huge proponents of this idea that everyone is a meal planner because whether you realize it or not, like, even if it's just five minutes before you need to start cooking and you're opening your fridge, you are meal planning on the fly. So if that works for you, keep doing it. Don't fix what isn't broken, right? But if that stresses you out and you're like, oh, I'm not a meal planner, just know you are. Stop that (laughs) self-talk. Stop it. Stop it right now. You've got this. So I'm really excited to start new conversations around meal planning and start talking about different ways into meal planning.
1: Yes, me too. Oh, wait. So I know other people call this different things. And we even tried to like come up with a different term for it before we recorded it.
0: Wait, can I tell them what our notes are?
1: (laughs) Yes. Please do.
0: So we have this big production calendar. It's a huge spreadsheet. It has all this information on it. And it's like, okay, here's the date that it's airing, the record date, the title. And then next to it, it's like notes. And it just says sparkle slash magic slash bizarro. And I feel like we need T-shirts that say that.
1: Sparkle magic bizarro. (laughs) Well, okay. So Kendra Adachi of The Lazy Genius, she calls it bizarro meal planning. And that's where I first like heard it called that. Is it the same
0: thing we're going to talk about? I'm going to say I love Kendra, but I don't listen to her
1: podcast content regularly. Yeah. Yeah, So I don't even know if it's a podcast episode, to be honest with you. I think it's like a long time ago. Blog post on her website. And she, it's the same thing that we're going to talk about? I think so, which I think of as, and this is where we struggled in like trying to give it a name. I think of it more as an extension of meal prep in some ways. And especially like in Kendra's description of it, it is a little bit more meal prep. So I'm curious because you are, are like a little bit of a meal prepper like how you would define what we're talking about. So I don't think of it as meal prep so much
0: because I think that there's two ways that you can do what we're going to talk about, which is at its essence, well, let me say and make sure that you and I agree about what it is at its essence, that you're looking at what you have on hand and planning your meals based on that. Yes, 100%. Now, there are the people who are going to do that in the meal planning kind of way where they're going to on sunday let's say for example they look and they're like okay here's what i'm going to make on monday tuesday wednesday thursday based on what's here like here are the holes that i need to fill when i go grocery shopping so in that respect it has a meal prep aspect to it but i also think that there's a way you can be doing it on the fly where you're not meal planning for the week, it's Monday night, you're opening the fridge and you're going to be like, this is what I have. This is the meal I'm going to put together. Yes. Right. And so to me, the commonality between the two things, I mean, it's really the first one that we're going to talk about more because planning what you need from the grocery store is kind of step two. Right. And if you're going on the fly all the time, you're really just like we're talking about how to make dinner with what you have. And we're not talking about the grocery shopping aspect of it. But I do think that that's the way some people are doing it. And the overlap between the two is this skill for looking at what you have and being able to turn it into a meal.
1: Right. Without not without going into this, like overwhelm of like, how do I use all of these things maybe yeah. together, and yeah. they feel disconnected, but they don't have to.
0: Yeah, so you're you're getting into what some of the skill entails, which is like being a good editor, knowing where to start. Anyway, we'll talk more about that stuff. Yeah. So the skill is a little bit hard to teach, but I think we're going to go through some of the principles of it. And I think that a lot of people who don't consider themselves good cooks or don't have a lot of experience cooking will be like that's my problem like i have no idea i see all these ingredients and i don't know what to cook
1: i will tell you that it it is hard to teach but it is teachable yeah there's kind of steps you can follow
0: yes and you'll get better and better over
1: time. Yes. And I just want to say, as our like resident, in air quotes, meal planner, because I'm more habitual at meal planning like every week, whereas like you've talked about doing a little bit more meal prep. It's true, and, although
0: like, I've been meal planning every week for the last year and a half, for sure. Yeah. I'm back to it.
1: Good. I Like that delights me to hear um, that this like reverse meal planning is actually something I incorporate into my routine probably once a month or once every six weeks. So it's not like you have to be all in and this is the only way that you meal plan from here on out. It's actually like a tool that you can use in weeks where you're overwhelmed or like there's too much in your house or you're trying to skip the grocery store. Um, But I feel like we're like tiptoeing around the juicy meat of yes. the episode and okay, I want to so make before, sure yes yes yeah do it that we invite you to our new and improved didn't I just feed you listeners community free members are getting access to more than ever before including more recipes printables shopping lists and if you're a supporting member you now have access to an ad free <laughs> stream <laughs> every single episode's the main Monday episodes like this one are what we're cooking and eating now episodes, and you're still getting those bonus episodes too. So hop on over to didn't, I just feed you.com backslash community to find out about joining us there. All right. I want to start with,
0: I mean, I think it probably goes without saying, but let's start with why building this skill that we're calling reverse meal planning is really useful.
1: It's a great tool if you're like, I just don't want to meal plan from scratch this week. There's a cost savings to it. Like that's when I use it the most is like, oh, man, there's all this stuff in our fridge that needs to be used up that I don't want to go to waste. So I'm going to start with these ingredients first. Totally. And meal plan around them. I feel like I missed something.
0: Well, you have a note here about Mojo that I don't think I would describe the same way. You talked about that. I think it's about confidence. Yeah. I think that when you become someone who feels like no matter how simple the end result is, if you're someone who feels like I can look in my fridge and maybe I haven't gone shopping for a week and a half, or maybe the fridge is full of stuff, but I didn't really plan. I just went to the market and I just bought like some stuff that I was like, oh, I'll figure it out later. When you can look in your fridge and you can figure out how to scrap together a meal That is confidence-boosting in the kitchen. For sure it is. Right? So, like, when I think of getting your mojo back, there's an aspect of pleasure to getting your mojo back that I don't know has to necessarily be a part of this. You know what I mean? I don't know that it has to be pleasurable, But it is confidence building and the more you build on your confidence, like then the pleasure comes or at least if it isn't like maybe you're someone for whom cooking will never be pleasurable. At least it like reduces the stress and burden of cooking.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you pointed out that I said mojo because actually like, yes, there's confidence building and yes, there's something extremely satisfying when you can like feed your family without doing a whole big grocery shop. And you're able to use up things that you already bought. But there's also something for me where it's like I get in a rut with meal planning where I'm like, oh, it's Monday pasta night. It's Tuesday taco night. And reverse meal planning helps me get out of that way of thinking and think about feeding my family in a different way. So it brings inspiration, which is another component of like getting mojo back and reduces boredom for me, too, because I'm more inclined during a reverse meal planning week to try something that's maybe outside of my like little channel of what I normally make for my family.
0: I totally agree with you. I do wonder if people who don't like to cook as much or who don't have as much confidence, it creates a lot of stress. And so I just want to say, like, it gets better. It's just like learning something new. Like, at first, it is stressful. And the results are not predictable. Yes. (laughs) Like, even for us, sometimes you reverse meal plan and you're like, oh, tuna and corn and rice? Like, I have a great idea. And then it comes out and you're like, wow. Big (laughs) flop. Yes. (laughs) It happens to all of us. So... I think these are great reasons yes.
1: to do it. So let's talk through like what the s- steps are. How yep. do you approach reverse meal planning?
0: Well, I think for everybody regardless of your approach, you want to start by taking inventory. That's the whole point of this is that you're going to use up what you have already. So, looking at everything, looking at the fridge, looking at the pantry, looking at the freezer. And when you're looking at the fridge, thinking about what's going to go bad or what you really want to use and like kind of identifying everything. But knowing that you're not going to (laughs) use it all for one meal, (laughs) like that's where you're going to get into trouble. Underline it, highlight
1: it, circle it, double down. Like this does not all have to go together.
0: Yeah. So I think there's kind of for me, there's two parts of taking inventory. One is just like recognizing all the things that I'm going to need to use up this week because I'm doing it that way where I'm planning for the week and then starting to identify what's going to become my like primary ingredient that I'm going to build off of for each meal because it's going to be different. So chicken. Okay. I'm going to use chicken for one meal. I'm going to use pasta for another meal. I'm going to make a rice dish for another meal. Just picking that one thing. That's going to be the center that I'm going to build off of.
1: Can I step back for just a second and do like a tiny little side quest, which is, I think this is where Kendra identifies this area of if you have things in your fridge that are really like on the edge of going bad and really, really need to be used up. And this is the meal prep component of it. She encourages you to like go ahead and like roast the carrots or like cook off the chicken that day. So then you're basically like using the leftovers from that little bit of, or the meal prep stuff from that little bit of prep later in the week too.
0: I want to sit on that. Okay. <laughs> I think it's a super smart suggestion. It just doesn't feel like practical when I think about how people experience looking in their fridge and feeling like, oh, my gosh, I need to make something out of all this. Do you know what
1: I mean? I'm not why I said like I want to step back and make it a side thing is like sometimes you're choosing to reverse meal plan because you're already overwhelmed. You should not feel obligated to do any sort of meal prep in this moment.
0: Yeah, but if you feel like you can, I think that's super smart. Yes. Okay. Okay, back to steps. So we've inventoried. We've inventoried. And then I'm just going to put a little caveat, though. Okay. If you're doing your inventory like the night of, or you're just looking and you're like, I'm not going to be able to go. It's Monday. I'm not going to be able to go to the supermarket until Thursday. So like, what am I making tonight? And maybe I can ID something that I'll do tomorrow, too. Then... You might consider skipping trying to identify everything that needs to be used up. Just identify what's going to be the center of tonight's meal. Yes. And I do think going to things that might go bad first, like, is the way that you get to take advantage of, like, reducing waste, saving money, et cetera.
1: Yes. So then you the second step, it, you've sort of alluded to it a couple times, which is identifying, like, the primary ingredient yes. or, like, the centerpiece ingredient In each each day of the week that night or the next night and thinking about and then that gets you to the third step, which is like identifying recipes or meals that you're going to make with those primary ingredients.
0: So let's talk about what would make something a primary ingredient,
1: I think, and I'm maybe regressing this. Can any ingredient be a primary ingredient? I think it kind of depends on your family. So
0: like if you're a vegetarian and you have a bag of carrots, yes, like that can be a primary ingredient. In my house, no.
1: See, I think of it as like if we're talking about carrots, I might know that I'm going to do something with the carrots, but then also know that like maybe I'm going to need to look in the freezer for something that fills it out from a protein standpoint because my right. family
0: is not. Well, that's what I'm saying. So the carrots are not a centerpiece. So that's what I mean by like the inventory of like what needs to be used up on one side and then what is my centerpiece? Yeah.
1: Also, maybe carrots are a bad example, too, because I think of sauces sometimes like when I buy like something from Trader Joe's and it's like it does have a shelf life. Sometimes I'm choosing like on Tuesday, I'm going to use up that thing in the marinade. And so I think of that as being primary ingredient is like a weird term, but it's like the thing I'm going to use up that night and I'm going to build the meal around using it up.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. So I think about it slightly differently, but I think that what you're saying is really smart. I'm thinking about the main, like I've got these three big guys that I'm eating and like, I'm not like, oh, I have this harissa, harissa doesn't go bad, but let's just say, yes, I have this harissa that I really want to use up. And I have this bag of carrots that needs to go like beautiful. Those go together. I'm not building my meal off of that. Like I'm keeping focused on like, what is my main thing? Like what's going to fill them up? And then I kind of build out from there. I
1: don't think either way that we are thinking, is wrong. And I think it's actually helpful. Totally. I'm just making a distinction because I think it's two
0: different ways that you can approach it. Yes.
1: Okay. But then, so either way, whether we're coming at it from like, you're choosing the, the centerpiece of the meal or I'm choosing the primary ingredient to use up, you still have to jump from there to deciding how to cook it, which can be recipes. Yes. Or it can be meal ideas. And I think this is like, where people are like, how is this different from regular meal planning in some ways? And I do think it is different because you can't just like go to your Pinterest board and be like, oh, what things use up carrots? Or you can't yeah. just like look at your cookbook wall and be like, oh, I'm going to choose this cookbook because it's definitely going to have a carrot re- carrot recipe that also uses harissa in it. So this is like when you're using tools and technology to help guide you on recipe ideas.
0: Totally. So let's talk about those because I also want to talk about improvising without yes. recipes. Yes. But resources. Okay, guys, I can't believe it's taken this long to late <laughs> July, 2020 Uh, for me to mention chat GPT <laughs> for real. We're going to be experimenting with this because we want to like dig into this as a tool for family cooks. But. I have heard people will plug in, give me a recipe or give me
1: five recipes that use up carrots, harissa, and rice. And
0: yes. it will give them to you.
1: Also, you can set parameters. Like we yep. are a vegan family or we primarily eat cheese. I don't know. That was yeah. a weird.
0: <laughs> we are cheesetarians. We are cheesetarians. How yes. many
1: people you're feeding and like the volume. So like maybe you had an grocery order snafu and for some reason you have like five pounds of carrots so you need a recipe that uses up all of them how would we know that that happens, it happens all the, <laughs> the time. time do you have another tool yeah i think eat your books is a really great tool yes. it's one that it's it, it is a one. site that indexes the cookbooks that you own so you do have to pay for it and there's a little bit of work up front but then you can be like really what what of my cookbooks use up carrots and harissa and chickpeas and it will help you find the recipes that you already own and utilize them which i think is so great and then i think there are a handful of like meal planning apps and we don't yeah. talk about this enough but recently we i guess it was in june now we asked people about their planning tools and quite a few people mentioned plan to eat which is another is an app that you pay for and you can Do your meal planning and your recipe search based on ingredients. I like the app Spilt, which is a recipe collecting app. It sort of has like Pinterest vibes, but the feed is like Instagram. And you can even import things that you have saved from your Instagram into the app so that you can like search for the things that you've been inspired for in the past too. And I'm sure that there are others, like Paprika app is one that I know people use for meal planning. Those are the three that I would mention.
0: And I do want to ask our community about this too, Yeah, because I'd love to get a list going. Right? Like, tried and true, what's worth your money. Yeah, Yeah, totally. I agree. Okay. So another thing that I just want to say about when you're looking for recipes, like if your tools are coming up short, maybe you don't have these tools and you're just looking at the index of your cookbook. And I'm... I know it's super old school but shout out to indexes. <laughs> like <laughs> it is really helpful like if you have a couple of cookbooks that you always return to or they're the ones that you keep like on your kitchen shelf, maybe just pull them down and look at the index really quick. Think about what you can swap. So if, you know, you have pork chops, thin cut pork chops and you're not finding anything, you know, give a glance to the chicken breast recipes they won't always be one for one. If you have cauliflower and no cauliflower recipes are coming up, look, take a peek at the broccoli recipes. Again, like not everyone might fit, but you might find some
1: inspiration there. That is genius. Stacey, I don't know about you, but I've been in a major spring cleaning mode, including purging and organizing my closet. I'm putting away winter sweaters and donating things that don't work for me anymore. But I'm so excited to be pulling out some of my favorite items from Quince to put back into rotation. Totally, I love the pieces that I bought from Quince last year too.
0: And neither of us should really be surprised. We love Quince for their quality. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us.
1: Which means I can actually add some pieces back to my closet after my spring clear out. I love the linen pants and top I got last season so much, but my next purchase is one of Quince's gorgeous 100% washable silk skirts.
0: Oh, that's so pretty. And the best part? All Quince items, from silk to 14 karat gold, are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. That's why I snagged my favorite oversized cashmere boyfriend
1: cardigan from Quince instead of any other brand. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash D-I-J-F-Y for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You, to get free shipping and 365-day returns. This episode of Didn't I Just Feed You is sponsored by By Heart. Longtime listeners know that Stacy and I both struggled with infant feeding stages with all our kids. Breastfeeding was hard, and choosing a formula was, well, also hard. We're thrilled to be working with BiHeart, an infant nutrition company on a mission to make the best formula in the world. Not only is BiHeart an easy to digest formula, their formula is also clinically proven for easier digestion, less spit up, and softer poops versus leading infant formula. episode that is just like learning how to cook intuitively, learning how to riff. But could you give us like some very top line things? And I'm putting the pressure on you because I think of you as someone who is very good at that. Like a lot of times I quickly look at a recipe as my reference and then I do what feels natural to me, like all add as much garlic as I want to, or like use this oil versus this oil, but I'm less likely to just open the fridge and be like, I'm pulling this, these 27 things together. Not yeah. So I think the first yeah. place
0: to start is not to use 27 things. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, a no, good but, rule. No, for though. real. Yeah. I know you didn't mean it literally. So that's why we're laughing. But yeah, like I do think keeping it simple is really, really key. <laughs> like, you know, thinking about a flavor profile i think is really really important if that if flavor profile feels too like esoteric i don't even know if that's like the right word that i mean but it's like intimidating just think about cuisines like do you like greek food and then what you're going to think about is using olive oil garlic lemon maybe some oregano That's it. Do you like, and that can be applied to like a Greek pasta because you have feta that's like been in there forever, you know? And then you're just going to make a simple like butter, olive oil sauce. I'm making this up right now. I've never made this, but like with, you know, lemon juice, a little oregano, and then you're going to toss it all with pasta while it's hot and the feta will get a little melty and you're done. Like it may not be mind blowing, but there you go. If you like Italian, you think about like, tomatoes, Italian seasoning, like pepper flakes, you know, just kind of whittle it down to a small group of ingredients, herbs, spices, probably using your dried herbs and spices more if you are improvising. And like that, those are your boundaries. Like don't go beyond them. And really like if you're feeling the pressure to use something up, start there and build from there. Don't be like, oh, I have to use up pork chops. But I also have this feta and I just had this idea for feta pasta. Now let me like shoehorn those in together. I mean, that could actually work. But like, don't do that. Like start with the thing that you need to use up. If it can be the centerpiece, that's what you're building. I really think having an editor's mind is an important piece of this. It's like, fewer 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 less 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 keep it
1: tight and to the point yes and i'm so glad you said editor because i think a lot of people when we talk about like using it up or we're saying like oh reverse meal planning is starting with everything that needs to be used up in your fridge it we do not expect you to use up absolutely yes everything exactly and just because you have 27 ingredients (laughs) that need to be cooked in a short period of time doesn't mean that they need to all be crammed together. And in fact, you're going to end up with something that feels disjointed or like the flavors are not harmonious. I love what you said about cuisines. And this is that funny thing where like our brains think of the same things, but like a little a little bit differently. Yeah, totally. I was thinking about like frameworks too. Like we all know that salsa is like based on tomatoes and that you might add something that's punchy, like some red onion or a shallot, and you're going to add some acidity and you're going to add some fat in addition to like anything that you would add as a flavorful herb or spice to it. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it in terms of like, what are the flavor principles that are within that recipe, then it's really easy to make something with tomatoes When you don't have lime juice and you don't have a red onion, you can be like, okay, I do have lemon juice and I'm going to sub that for the lime juice. I'm still going to use olive oil, but my punchy thing is going to be this feta cheese that I have instead. And I'm making more of like a little salad to go on top of the pork chops, too. So it's just like another way to think about what you like and what you already eat and you already know how to make and how you can just like play, be playful with it.
0: Yeah. So that's interesting because you stepped into right into, you're segueing into the other thing that I was going to say. Like you think about okay. cuisines, you think about keeping it tight, and then you think salt, fat, acid, heat. Yes. Thank you, Smeen. <laughs> like, because it's just such a quick, easy way yes. to help people remember that these are actually the elements of good cooking, whether you're talking about very complicated French technique or you're talking about like the most delicious, rustic. Countryside Italian cooking where you're like, why is this piece of bread with tomatoes on it the most delicious thing I've ever eaten? Because it probably also has like a little pinch of pepper flake and really good olive oil, which has some bitterness and it's fat in it. You know, it just has these elements. So I think getting into that mindset and not thinking that this is like a highfalutin concept, like fat is butter.
1: Heavy right? cream. Heavy cream. It's oil of any
0: kind. Exactly. Acid is lemon juice or just red wine vinegar like stuff that you have around it's really about the combination and the levels and like starting to play with like the tensions between them but that can be advanced so yes like you're thinking about cuisines you're thinking about keeping it small i also think if you're just starting out having some basic frameworks that really relates a lot to how we think about our dinner. i just feed you episodes actually so like If you're just starting out, but you want to do more of this because you want to build the skill or you're just entering a busy period of life and you're just like, I know for the next month and a half, it's going to be hard to be really regular about meal planning or going to the supermarket. Always have pasta in hand. Pasta is your friend. Try to have some chicken thighs or breasts, if that's your preference, in the freezer. Rice or grains for bowls. Like even just there, stop, right? You have three foundations that can go in, s- like, thousands and thousands of directions with almost anything you have on hand.
1: 1,000%. I want to put a little pressure on you. Not a, like, not quite a lightning round. But so we have those basics, right? We've got the pasta. We've got chicken thighs. We've got rice. I Wait, was isn't think- it my birthday? <laughs> go, go ahead. <laughs> yes, as this gift to you, I'm going yeah, to grill you.
0: Totally. Okay, great. Oh.
1: What is your, it's not really grilling, but like what is your go-to, like you're kind of brain dead, you decided on chicken thighs or you decided on pasta, a handful of things that you use for flavoring, seasoning, like you don't even have to think about it.
0: Are you talking just like ingredients to have on hand? Ingredients or like pantry staples. Yeah, okay. I always have lemons and lemon juice both, always, always, always. Because the fresh lemon juice tastes different than the – but I have the kind that doesn't have anything else. It's just like fresh lemon juice. But it is like higher acidity and it is really like pungent. And also the fresh lemon gives you lemon zest. Sherry vinegar is one of my favorites. Always olive oil. Like I feel like with shallots is a really good thing Mm -hmm. to have on hand because you can use them. You can substitute them to just be like, you know – Red onion in a fresh salsa if you don't have a red onion. Onions in a tomato sauce that you're going to cook down when it's just like, you know, half an onion. You can use a shallot. But then they are also a little bit tastier and feel a little bit special in, like, any other preparation and when they're raw. And I feel like right there, like, butter, olive oil, sherry vinegar, and shallot, like, you have a pan sauce for chicken thighs. Yes, like that's all you need you know you can add a little bit of honey if it's like too salty or pungent for you or jam that you have on hand what else heavy cream is a really good one to always have on hand I don't often like I sometimes forget to buy it on the regular and every single time I try to improvise I'm like god darn it like where's a heavy tablespoon
1: of heavy cream
0: yes yes Like, heavy cream's a really big one for me for improvising. It just makes things richer, more, I don't know, luxurious. It just, like, it's a beautiful thing. Sometimes you can just take, like, sour cream, because that's something I have on hand a lot, and, like, I'll add a little bit of milk just to, like, thin it. But then you get a little different flavor. It's, like, tangy. You can do it with Greek yogurt, too. I don't know.
1: What else? I think this is a time to shout out, like, seasoning blends because sometimes when I am in that overwhelm, if, and I don't want to think about like, Oh, do I have cumin? Do I have smoked paprika? Do I have this dry oregano? But I know that I have this like campfire spice, which is a legit spice from, or seasoned salt from beautiful briny sea. And it has all those things in it already. And the salt, like I can start there and I don't have to think too deeply about, seasoning my chicken thighs or seasoning my vegetables. That's
0: so interesting. I love that suggestion. It's one I should incorporate more. I don't use seasoning blends. I hardly have any.
1: Oh, see, I like a seasoning blend. I think it's just this the season of life that I'm in. And also yeah. that I'm a griller. And so like having dry rubs on hand is really helpful for yeah. proteins. But then I can use them also on veggies too. And then I think of like condiments to as being something that we don't, we're like, oh, that's for like putting on your hot dogs or that's for putting on your toast. But like mustard and basic jellies and preserves are actually really great for riffing. Like you have a little bit of apricot jam and some soy sauce. You can make a great little soy sauce. Soy a great one. For your, those chicken thighs. Um, if you have a little mustard you can use that on chicken thighs or make like a simple vinaigrette for a pasta salad with that pasta. If you've got mayo on hand and you have some like garlic chili paste, then it's really easy to make a little sauce for like if you're doing sort of Asian inspired rice bowl. So yeah, leaning on condiments is a big one for me for cooking on the fly.
0: I have a question for you. I've been like struggling with this one because... They're very important to me, but then they're also things that go bad quickly. (laughs) And, like, I don't want people to plan a meal around fresh herbs going bad. So fresh herbs can, like, make people feel stressed sometimes. But for me, improvising really does. I always have a ton of fresh herbs in my fridge. Yeah.
1: Do you? I default to, like, two or three. No, two. I'm not even going to say three. Like, I buy green onions a lot because I can use the white part. To cook and then the light green part for like finishing chives or mint. So like I tend to buy like one little clamshell of whatever fresh herb that week and then try to use it up completely so I don't feel guilty. But I do want to mention that storage is a big thing here. And our friend Lou Persigan, who's been on the show before he's Eat It Dad's on Instagram, and I watch him stream live on Twitch, which is why I know that he has this thing in the inside of his fridge, because otherwise it sounds weird. He has like what he calls an herb box. So he likes to buy like lot abundance of herbs at the farmer's market every week. And what he does is like he cleans them up right when he gets them home and he wraps them in a damp paper towel. And then it's basically like that ubiquitous sort of IKEA green lidded container that's kind of mm-hmm. kind of like a shoebox and he stacks all this stuff in there. And he also puts it like right in the front of his fridge so that every time he goes to cook, he's like, oh yeah, herbs. And he's more likely to use them. Yeah. I use herbs all the time.
0: I almost always, I mean, I you'll never go in my fridge and not find fresh herbs. Yeah. And I would say, like, as a matter of course, green onion chives, cilantro. I always have cilantro. Sometimes I buy two bunches of it for the week. But then I'll also rotate in basil, mint, sometimes parsley. I'm not really big on parsley.
1: I see. I kind of think parsley is underrated. Used correctly. Okay. That's like a whole other... We need to do an (laughs) outtake
0: about parsley. But only flat leaf, right? Do we at least agree on that? We
1: 1,000% agree. Okay.
0: And I do think that fresh herbs, like the way you use... Spice blends, I use fresh herbs for improvising because I feel like you're – again, we're keeping it so simple. And then how you get that simple food to taste really satisfying is the fat, salt, acid, heat, and then that like boom, 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 that like nice little something at the end, right? (laughs) So for me, it's fresh herbs because I'm usually just seasoning with like salt and pepper.
1: Yeah. I love that. I think also – this is a very specific – my roadblock to fresh herbs is not the cost or that I'm afraid I'm not going to use them up. It's that I feel like I identify as a gardener and I'm not actually good at it. And I'm like, I should just grow basil. I should just grow mint. <laughs> and then like, I never actually do, do. So I don't, also don't buy them. <laughs> one day you'll one grow day, them up. in other houses and in other seasons of our lives, we have had herb gardens. And so then I just use like whatever's in the pots out on the front porch. Yeah. I did buy myself a pot of herbs for Mother's Day and I'm pretty sure it got like sizzled up in the sun because it was not in the right position. So gardening is like a whole nother thing here.
0: Um, Are there any other like go-to ingredients that help you when you're improvising? Or do you think there's any other aspect to improvising that we should touch on that's important for people who are just starting?
1: Maybe we need to cook together more nice. on like a live or something because I definitely think that Sitting down and having a conversation with you, like you are on my level as far as a cook. In fact, sometimes far exceed it. But when someone who's a beginner watches you do something, they ask the questions that unlock. Yes, that you're like, oh, I just, I just you always just do it automatically. Do that? Yep. Yeah, totally. Um, like I always fry a little bit of garlic if I'm using garlic in a dish in the olive oil as it's heating up. So then you get like crispy garlic. But then you're also like flavoring the oil too. Yes. Like I don't I wouldn't think to call those sort of specific techniques out. And I think that cooking on the fly or like riffing back pocket cooking, it warrants its whole own episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know where we're gonna take it now, right? Always. To our Didn't I Just Feed You listeners community. We hope that you've joined us there. If not, why? <laughs> Just join us for free. I didn't I just feed you backslash community. Or if you want those bonus episodes and other goodies, join our supporting community. Also add free stream. Would consider it, it a birthday gift. Consider it a birthday gift. I was going to say, wouldn't it be funny if we promised like, hey, if membership in the free community ever exceeds download numbers, weekly download numbers. So we know that all of you oh. who listen every week have actually joined us. And we'll stop telling you to join us and you can get a minute of content back. <laughs> I love it. Let's try. Let's All right, happens. let's do it. You Challenge just did it. You it's, guys, hap- it's happening listeners. right now.
0: Okay. okay. Also, follow us on Instagram. We're at, didn't I just feed you?
1: A huge thank you to our producer, Samantha Got Sick. I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. Stay sane and well fed until next time. Be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate and review.